As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Two big injuries for the Philadelphia Eagles. Take our focus on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic for Tuesday, October 20th. Week 6 now in the books. We start to turn our attention to Week 7, which marks the unofficial halfway point of the Fantasy Football regular season, with most seasons going 13 weeks, so uh, flying right by as it does every single year. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing well, and I'm... Oh, just looking forward to another waiver run. I got a few holes on a few rosters to patch up, and fortunately there's a little bit of talent out there this week. Yeah, that's where we're going to focus our attention on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, and it all starts with the two injuries in Philly that we referenced in our open here, Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. We have now timetables for these two guys. We talked about the fact that they suffered injuries, Sanders a knee and Ertz an ankle on Monday's episode. Later on Monday in the afternoon, we got uh, the exact word, at least in terms of expected timetable for return. Miles Sanders expected to be out one to two weeks. Zach Ertz out three to four weeks. And got to be concerned for Sanders that it is going to be the two weeks because week nine is Phillies by so they could have him sit down for about a month and miss only two games and you would think that unless they desperately need him back and he is close to being able to return in that week eight game which could be true considering it is against the Cowboys that maybe you're going to be without Miles Sanders for the next month here so let's start with that running back Boston Scott figures to step in and at least take the lion's share of the work off of Miles Sanders' hands. Where is he for you in waivers with some of the other guys who are out there? We have J.D. McKissick stepping up as a PPR option in Washington, and Jarek McKinnon perhaps back in our fantasy lives with Raheem Mostert suffering an ankle injury in the 49ers win over the Rams in Week 6. I think Scott has to be behind McKinnon because we've seen Jarek McKinnon take on a reasonable share of the load when Mostert's been unavailable this season. And when Boston Scott had that opportunity with Miles Sanders out for the season opener, it was a smaller role than what we saw McKinnon take in San Francisco. I think Doug Peterson has shown us enough times that when he doesn't have a three-down talent, he will chop up the workload at running back. We didn't see much of Boston Scott or Corey Clement in 
week six, but I think we're going to see a mix of both of them against the Giants. I think it could be just an ugly situation where you're looking at Scott as more of like a PPR sort of flex dart and Corey Clement as just the guy and and maybe someone you pick up in really deep leagues, but not someone you're picking up and necessarily using in your typical 10 and 12 team leagues where you start two running backs and a flex. So limited interest for me in the Philly backfield, given the way I expect the workload to be parsed out. Yeah, I'm totally with you here. McKinnon would be my first. McKissick would be my second. And I say that even knowing that McKissick really is only PPR viable, full PPR viable. I think even half PPR, he's someone who maybe you're fine having on your bench as a break glass in case of emergency starter, but not someone who you really want to lean as where I think full PPR, you can uh, you can have him in there as a starter. Um, maybe not more often than not, but he, should, he would at least be in your thought process every single week. That week one game that you mentioned that Miles Sanders missed with injury against Washington, a loss for Philadelphia, nine carries for 35 yards for Boston Scott, six carries for 19 yards for Corey Clement. They both got two targets in that game as well. So obviously we can't just say that's what happened the first time Sanders is out. This is what's going to happen now that Sanders is out again, but we should expect something along those lines. And again, only a one to two week injury. So you're only getting one, maybe two games out of Boston Scott in this one. It should be a good matchup for him Thursday night football against the Giants in week seven, but probably not someone that you're really going to be spending too much of your remaining fab on to get or something at least that we don't think you should do. On the other hand, Zach Ertz being out three to four weeks, even if you include that bye, you're probably getting at least three starts out of Dallas Goddard if he is able to return this week. He is eligible to return from IR this week from his ankle injury. With the way that Zach Ertz has looked on top of this injury also this season, Derek, I think Dallas Goddard, even if he's not back in week seven, or even week eight is someone who I am least I am at least interested in stashing because I think when he does come back, I wouldn't be surprised at all if your top two pass catchers for Philadelphia the rest of the season are Travis Fulgham and Dallas Goddard. And with the way the tight end position has gone for a lot of people this season, even if I'm not getting Goddard this week or even next week, even if it's after that week nine bye, I want to stash him right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on Fulgham. I think a lot of the production in week six came a little bit late, but... Look, the volume has been there in consecutive weeks. They've got a ton of injuries at wide receiver. And you mentioned that Ertz just hasn't been typical Zach Ertz. And Goddard, even if Ertz is out there, as we've seen in the past, it could be Ertz as the third guy and Goddard's the second guy. Fulgham's the one. That works. Like there's there's enough in this offense to sustain three pass catchers when things are going well. I know the Eagles have been frustrating uh, for a lot of people. In Survivor, in DFS, in season long, pretty much in every facet of the games we play, they have a real life us. football for the Eagles fans. Eagles fans are miserable. <laughs> They're always pretty miserable. I mean, it's nothing's really gone right this season in Philadelphia. But I'm with you on Goddard. I think because tight end falls off a cliff, you basically have the elite guys, a few second tier guys who are steady, and then the eight to twenty two range yeah, on the rankings much. every week is basically the same. Where if they score, they're good. If they don't, they're not. And that's the whole story. I think Goddard's capable of at least falling into that second tier of guys that you'd feel good about playing each and every week. So definitely keep an eye on where he's at coming off this ankle injury. And even in leagues where you're scrambling at tight end, you know, picking him up this week and stashing him for the future might actually pay off. 
Totally agree. I think he will be at least in that second tier once he is able to return because I think they step right back up. And something we were excited about Travis Fulgham after his first big game a couple of weeks ago was that Carson Wentz threw way more tight window throws in that game than he had in any other game this season. And that's something that he trusts Dallas Goddard with too. So he's going to get those opportunities. He's going to get those targets because Carson Wentz trusts him. Carson Wentz knows that every throw that he makes can't just be a wide open throw. can't be something that is an easy a layup of a throw. And he has already shown that he trusts Goddard to be someone who makes those contested catches. So I think you look at those two guys. And we mentioned Travis Fulgham here because I was surprised to see what his roster rates were. Yahoo, 31% going into this week. Not a huge surprise. Yahoo does tend to have lower uh, roster rates than uh, other big numbers in the industry. But CBS, where we tend to see the highest roster rates in the industry among at least the big operators, just 51% uh, going into this week. So he is still widely available across the fantasy unit. And after another big usage game where he put up his uh, meaningful numbers late, but still the usage was there all game and he nearly pulled down a Hail Mary uh, at the on the last play of the first half, Travis Fulgham definitely needs to be not only rostered, but I think more often than not, you are starting him going forward. Yeah, and the schedule for the Eagles as far as the upcoming matchups is outstanding. The Giants, the Cowboys, a bye. The Giants again in Week 10. The Browns and the Seahawks are all bottom third of the league defenses as far as what they give up to opposing wide receivers. Three of those teams, the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Browns, or I should say the the Browns, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys are actually the three worst teams in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing receivers. So a great stretch of schedule coming up for Fulgham. Incredible there, and then two more against the Giants. So five great games ahead for that passing game. Potentially what you've been dealing with all season is finally going to turn around a little bit here for the Eagles over the next month, six weeks or so. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Derek, let's take a quick look at wide receiver waivers here on top of Fulgham. A couple of receivers who should be catching most fantasy managers' eyes. The first is Tim Patrick, had his second straight 100-yard game in the Broncos' win over the Patriots. Four grabs on eight targets for 101 yards. I think at this point, we have to at least consider him a 1A to Jerry Judy's number one and someone who is going to have a big role in Denver's offense the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much the health of Noah Fant has been opening up targets for Mm -hmm. Tim Patrick, but I do think this was an offense that when Cortland Sutton was healthy, I think we looked at Drew Locke and said, there's a lot of weapons here, there's plenty to go right. Not having Sutton does open up permanent targets, even if it tends to be a little bit of a tug of war to see who's the number two behind Jerry Judy some weeks, you know, between Patrick and Fant. There might be enough there in a lot of these matchups. So I'm, I'm interested. I think he's pretty high up on my list of available receivers. Fulgham versus Patrick, I think 
I prefer Fulgham at this point, in part Same. because of the schedule stuff we talked about, and because I have a little more faith in the Carson Wentz-led Eagles than in the Drew Locke-led Broncos offense at this point. Yeah, I agree with you completely there. And Tim Patrick was able to stay away uh, from Stephon Gilmore mostly in that game. So uh, it was it made it a little bit more uh, perhaps attractive of a target for Locke to go after. But I'm not going to fault Locke too much for that game, right? He returned from the shoulder injury ahead of schedule against a very tough New England defense on the road. Weird schedule uh, with Denver having their surprise by thrown at them because of the Patriots' COVID issue. So that was just a weird game all around, and I think that better days are ahead for the Broncos' offense. Tip Patrick gives you really the only realistic way you're going to get in on them, certainly on the waiver wire. You're not grabbing Jerry Judy. You're not grabbing Melvin Gordon or uh, or Philip Lindsay. You're probably not grabbing Noah Fant. I think people have been probably happy to stash him with the state of the tight end position. So Tim Patrick gives you an avenue into that offense. Keelan Cole gives you an avenue into Jacksonville's offense, quietly putting together a really nice season. There's been so much attention, understandably, for both DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. But Keelan Cole has been a top-two receiver in every game that he has played. It's really been him and Chark or him and Chenault when Chark has been hurt. Keelan Cole's never been the odd man out in Jacksonville. He actually leads the team in receptions, 27, targets, 38, yards, 362, and three touchdowns tied with DJ Chark. Even though Jacksonville has not been uh, the offense they were earlier in the season over their last few games, I think there's enough here to make Keelan Cole viable in 12-team leagues, at least as a bench receiver, especially with all the buys, right? Former teams going on by this week, Baltimore, Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Miami. We've got at least four teams on by every week from this week all the way up to week 13. We have, uh, we have that many teams going on by. So it's going to be you know a tough situation from week to week, and I think Keelan Cole at least should be on rosters at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he's comparable in value to someone like Golden Tate, like good enough to get a nine-target game and go off with that. More often than not, he's going to be in that six-target range, and it's going to be a little more touchdown dependent. I think especially in full PPR leagues, if he's not already picked up, definitely go out and get him. But he'd be probably a notch even behind Tim Patrick at this point for me if I'm kind of comparing somewhat available options at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I would sandwich him between those two guys. I would rather have Cole than Tate. I think Tate just seems done at this point, and I have no confidence whatsoever in the Giants' passing game. I do think that Patrick just has a, a safer week-in and week-out target floor, so that's why I would go for him ahead of Cole. As I said, four more teams going on by this week, Baltimore, Minnesota, Indy, and Miami, so at least one quarterback in there who you are starting every single week if you got him, that being Lamar Jackson. Let's look at the Week 7 quarterback stream here. Derek, I'm going to throw out a name that might surprise you. How about Kyle Allen against the Cowboys? It's a defense that isn't stopping anyone. Kyle Allen, it was ugly, but still threw for 280 yards and two touchdowns against the Giants, another defense that isn't really stopping anyone. Did that in week six. You go back to week five before he got hurt, ran for a touchdown in the first quarter of that game. So on a per play, per quarter basis, he's been a relatively productive uh, quarterback, even though I still don't agree with the benching of Dwayne Haskins. We got to take it for what it is. I could get on board with Kyle Allen this week. Yeah, I think he's passable. Uh, you look at last season when he was starting Carolina, averaged under 20 fantasy points per game. It wasn't good from a real-life efficiency standpoint. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's the answer long-term, but the Cowboys give up tons of fantasy points to opposing passers. They can easily put the footballs into a pass-happy game script. So, yeah, I'm actually here for Kyle Allen as a streamer in Week 7. 
All right, let's take a quick look at the defense stream before we wrap things up here. Chargers at Jacksonville is one that interests me. I think it's really hard, though, to not take any time you get a chance to attack either New York offense this season. You got to take it. Not going to be able to do it with the Jets this week. They go up against Buffalo, probably owned in your league. But the Giants play the Eagles. That's a defense no one's really been clamoring to roster. And there really is no bad defense to play against the Giants or the Jets. Yeah, especially with less time to prepare, that Giants team having to go on the road to Philly. I'm here for the Philly defense. I like them quite a bit as a streaming option this week. All right, going to be looking at the stream, certainly as we wrap things up on Tuesday. Get those waiver claims in. We'll wrap it up with one piece of good news. Corey Davis expected to be activated from the COVID-19 list and play for the Titans in week seven. So very happy to hear that. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We will be back with you right in this space tomorrow. Until then, for Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Thank you for listening and have a great day.